From Wall Street to the White House, this is the Larry Kudlow Show. Larry, I mean, we got to be upfront about what needs to be done here. We need to kill them. That's the only thing that stops these guys. They are absolutely committed to this barbarism. And we got to go in and kill them, just like we did with ISIS, just like we did with the Al-Qaeda. That is the great Jack Keane, General Jack Keane, retired four-star general, chairman now of the Institute for the Study of War, Fox News senior strategic analyst, and Presidential Medal of Freedom recipient. I was in the Oval Office when he got that wonderful award. General Keene, welcome back to the show. That was the best mission statement I've heard all week long, and I wanted you to clarify it. And how do you assess now as we as we look at the uh, ground game that's about to begin with Israel? How do you see it, General Keene? Yes, well, it, it's certainly very challenging, uh, given the fact that we saw Hamas uh, likely preparing for months uh, an offensive operation uh, that likely succeeded beyond their expectations. And so the Israelis will figure out why that, why that happened. But also, uh, Larry, they knew there would be retaliation, certainly. They've seen that in the past. And if they enjoyed success, they knew the retaliation would likely be far greater than what they've seen in the past. So they've had months to prepare for that as well. Uh, so it, it's going to be formidable what is happening. The prime minister has given a different mission to his military for this incursion into Gaza. In the past, he's given them a, a mission that was militarily limited in the sense he, he told them to go hard and fast, and that is get it done in a couple of weeks, uh, destroy as much of the tunnels that existed at the time, military infrastructure, kill as many leaders and fighters as you can, and then get out. And I think in the back of their minds would be the growing hostility from the international community as civilian deaths mounted during that operation. The intent of that operation was to set Hamas back X number of years, depending on how much of that they were able to destroy. The intent of this operation is to destroy Hamas. And when you look at that in, a, in ter- military terms, that means ruin the infrastructure and eliminate its organic existence. So what he wants certainly is no rise of Hamas that could ever reattack them again, which is very different than previous missions. This means systematic approach to destruction of all infrastructure which they've already started to do. Uh, it obviously means the penetration of the tunnel complex and destructions of them. And I'm hoping uh, if the Israelis want penetration bombs from the United States, that we're prepared to, to give them that if they need that capability. And, and the challenge of it is you see the conventional military mounting in terms of tanks, uh, armored vehicles, and the like, the pre-assault fires have already begun with artillery. But there's also the challenge, Larry, of separating the fighters from the population. Hmm. While a lot of the fighters will fight, a, a number of them will not. They'll, they'll attempt to blend into the population. And that is the challenge that you've seen America face in the 20 years of the 9-11 wars, where we had terrorists who, you know, in a sense, 
was the population. They blended into it, and we had a, uh, the challenge of separating them. So this is going to take months, likely. It's only many weeks at a minimum, as opposed to the operations in the past. And the casualties uh, likely will be more than the Israelis had ever experienced when they've been in Gaza before. And likely the civilian casualties, if they're not able to get the civilians out of there, uh, will likely also be larger than uh, what we've seen before. You know, I've seen on TV a lot of hand-wringing about all this. But I've also had some guests on the show, General, who have a lot of experience in special operations, some of them trained with the IDF, some of them trained the IDF, and others had military exercises with the IDF. And the expert experts seem to say that the IDF knows how to do this. And I don't want that thought to be lost if, in fact, you agree with it. No, I very much agree with it, and they've already had a lot of success. Uh, You know, they're not really talking too much about it, uh, but they've killed a lot of leaders. They've killed a lot of the people who participated in, in, in that invasion that went as far as 20 miles in. Why? Because they have videos of all of them, mm. and they've gone after them. They've been able to identify who they are, and, and, and they've killed a lot of them already. So, yes, this is, this is the IDF's intelligence apparatus, while certainly it's going to be criticized as a result of Hamas's recent success. I think is by and large, when it comes to the population, when it comes to their ability to do damage inside of Iran, is exquisite. And they have details in human intelligence. They have informants. Uh, they have excellent signals intelligence, somewhat comparable to ours, and not as extensive as ours because we have to deal with a global threat and, and they have to deal with a local threat. But nonetheless, the technology and everything that they have to do this is excellent. And they're dead serious about trying to avoid civilian casualties. And people just sort of wave that off and say, ah, that's, that's just propaganda. No, that, it is absolutely true. Uh, one of the networks, uh, I, well, it was Fox Network. Uh, let's give credit where credit is due. Uh, had a had a soldier on who was in a unit whose job it was to provide early warning to uh, locations where bombing would take place so the civilians could get out of it. Hmm. And and when they had a breakdown in that for some reason and they weren't able to effectively communicate, they didn't bomb it. Uh, so they're very serious about it. What, what's really shameful here, Larry, is the Egyptians. The Egyptians have closed the only real exit out of the Gaza Strip that the that the people have, and they a couple of reasons there. They're worried about Hamas infiltration, uh, and I, I think there's an easy way to handle that. And they're worried about their economy is in the tank, and they don't want to accept the burden. When war was coming to the people of Ukraine, six million people got out in the first week hmm. when war was coming to the people of syria seven million people got out and the turks set up refugee camps for them some of them are still in existence 10 years later hmm. uh the reality is that is what should be done on the other side of that border that's the sinai desert it's, it's an easy place to set it up and 
U.N. assistance, international assistance, and the Egyptians can go in there and vet the people to make certain, with Israeli help, that there's no Hamas uh, uh, fighters, you know, in that refugee camp. I mean, this can be done. And the Arabs, Larry, should be putting their money into this. I know the Arabs are talking to the Egyptians, so they should fund it. Hmm. And let's get on with it and get these people out of the way of what's about to take place. And it's shameful that it's not being done. Don't we give Egypt $4 billion some odd a year? I thought LRCC was an ally. Yeah, yeah, we do. They're, they're one of our most significant allies in terms of military and economic assistance. And certainly it should be leveraged. Now, they have had some success in the fact that Americans and other foreign nationals can leave Gaza. That's, that's a good first step. But let's get it all done so that uh, the people can get out of there who want to get out of there. Coming back to the Hamas assault, does Israel have uh, bunker busters or something like that that can go into this uh, into these caves? I think they have some. It depends on the depth of them. I know when we were talking about dealing with the Iranian nuclear enterprise, they don't have the bunker busters that go down to the depth that those secret nuclear sites are. But I suspect they can deal uh, somewhat effectively uh, with what they have in, in, in Gaza. And if not, ask the Americans. I, I cannot have, Listen, I, I take the president and Secretary Austin at face value. If they say if the Israelis need something, we're going to give it to them. Mm-hmm. And uh, and certainly I, I think that would be the case, and, and hopefully it's already done. How much uh, so far, it's kind of hard to get your arms around it, but I know the commandos went in. I know some ground troops went in. I know there's a lot of special ops on the ground to help with the precision bombing. But the bulk of the um, ground attack hasn't really started yet, has it? No, no, no. You uh, When that starts, it'll be very obvious. Uh probably multiple entry points, uh, and that's what the call-up of 360,000. By the way, that is the largest reservist call-up they've ever had. Mm. Think of that, mm. uh, given uh, the wars from 1948 to the present. Um, and it takes time to assemble those troops, uh, mounting them up with their equipment, and then stage that equipment and move it and also, uh, you know, go through planning, preparations, maybe some rehearsals in terms of what they're doing, and, and that's what is taking time. And and actually, uh, from a cold start like they're going to, to when they actually conduct this thing, it, it'll still be a very rapid preparation phase, and the Israelis are masters at that because their reservists are so well-trained. Um, you mentioned multiple entry points. Uh, we've, the reporting so far is sort of centered around northern Gaza, Gaza City, but there'll be other entry points along that route, further south, midway? No, I have no feel for I just think that attacking on multiple axes is pretty standard, um, and I, I would imagine they would do that because they don't want to give uh, – Hamas, the ability to counter and mass against uh, one entry, uh, one line of advance. Um, and we see the Ukrainians uh, 
conduct an air counteroffensive on multiple axes. That's likely. I don't know where that would be, Larry. I don't have any knowledge of it. But most of most of Hamas's command and control, a lot of their valuable military infrastructure, is centered around Gaza City in the northern part of the mm. Gaza Strip. Right. And I think that is why the Israelis told uh, the people there to move south, because they're actually flagging that would be a concentration, certainly of uh, pre-assault fires and and uh, air power usage in that area, and and likely a s- serious commitment of ground forces as well. All right, Joan Jackson, please stay with us. We're going to take a quick commercial break. Have you come back and finish off the half hour? We're so honored to have you on the show, folks. We're talking to the great General Jack Keane, retired four-star general, chairman now of the Institute for the Study of War, Fox News senior strategic analyst, Presidential Medal of Freedom recipient. Very dear friend and mentor to yours truly. We'll be right back with Jack Keane. From Wall Street to the White House, this is the Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. We're here with the great General Jack Keane, retired four-star general chairman, Institute for the Study of War, Fox News senior strategic analyst, Presidential Medal of Freedom recipient, General Keane. Um, I want to talk about another thing you said to us on the show, the TV show Thursday night. Iran must be held accountable. Yes, absolutely so. I mean, I, I find it disturbing that the administration has gone way out of their way to distance themselves from Iran's connection to this and actually try not even to use the word Iran uh, in describing this. And so our audience understands that the proxies that are operating in Yemen, in Iraq, a Iraqi militia proxy, in Syria, uh, in Lebanon, and in, excuse me, and in Israel, they all work for Iran. Hmm. And they all respond to guidance from the IRGC uh the Islamic Republic Guards Corps, and specifically the Quds Force that Qasim Soleimani headed up, and now Gayani, his successor, heads up, and he visits these organizations on a, on a regular basis, and they plan and coordinate. The administration admits, in the, in the words of Jake Sullivan, the National Security Advisor, he said, yes, Iran is broadly complicit in training financing and overall supporting Hamas. And it's been dark for many years, his words, not mine. And then he goes into but. The but is we don't have a specific correlation with this operation and Iran. So what that means, they haven't been able to eavesdrop on a conversation where Iran is directing something or providing guidance to them in reference to this operation. They obviously don't have a signed document or anything like that in issuing orders. But as opposed to a but, I I would have approached it differently and said, and we can conclude Hmm. that Iran is behind this because they're behind all of the proxies in the region to include Hamas. Even though Hamas is Sunni-based and Iran is Shia-based, they've eliminated that distinction because Hamas is so focused on the destruction of Israel which is Iran's strategic objective as well. So 
yes, they have their hands all over this, Larry, and the administration doesn't want to put a finger on it. And I think the reason for that is obvious, because then what are we going to do about it? it you know, is the, is the next question. And this administration, from the time they came in, right up to the present, has looked out to Iran to appease them, to give them uh, co- concession relief. The Trump administration had maximum sessions on Iran. They killed Qasem Soleimani uh, just prior to the Biden administration taking power. And Iran, from all of us who watch this like a hawk on a regular basis, was on its heels in a way that it had never been before, stunned by the assassination and killing of their number one leader who is prosecuting their foreign policy objectives and having some success with them in the region. And the the sanctions were tanking Iran's ability to get money for oil. They eased back on those sanctions. They reached out on a nuclear deal. At the same time, they they began to stiff the Arabs, particularly Saudi Arabia. And then when Bibi Netanyahu came into power, they stiffed him as well. None of that made any sense. And what that was doing was encouraging the Iranians to step forward. And now we have the war in Europe started by Putin. And I believe the Iranians are looking at this, and they see Saudi Arabia moving towards Israel in terms of normalizations. Principal reason, counter-Iran. Secondary reason, economic prosperity. But they see that. And if Saudi is able to normalize, and I do believe this will eventually happen, the Iranians know full well the other Arab and Muslim nations in the region will all fall in line because Saudi Arabia is the de facto leader of the Arab-Muslim world in in the Middle East. And it is a strategic paradigm shift if and when that does happen. The Iranians saw it, and that's what this is about strategically from their perspective. And they have a good instrument in Hamas Hmm. to kind of distract the world from that, inflame the Israelis as a result of barbarism committed against their people, and derail that normalization process, which has happened. They've, they've accomplished that. But I believe Saudi Arabia is going to act in their national interests. They started down this road because Iran is a threat to their transformation that they want to make. They also know that the Israelis can help them technologically and economically, and this union makes sense. So, yes, the Iranians are all over this thing for the strategic gain that they need and their and the ability to avoid the isolation that would come as a result of normalization between Saudi and Israel. You know, I had former Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin on the show last night. He and I on the economic side and Robert O'Brien, Security, National Security Advisor, and Pompeo, the Secretary of State, we, uh, under Trump's direction, we established maximum sanctions on Iran. We had them near bankruptcy. We had them down to like a couple of hundred thousand barrels of oil a day. That's all it was, General Keene. Now, that has all been relaxed and changed, and the coffers are now filling up again. The money coffers are filling up again for Iran. Seems to me this is a monumental mistake. 
Yeah, I mean, it's incredible, Larry. You know, we're all focused on this $6 billion, which is a yeah. formidable amount of money. You know, that is, they finally have admitted that they're going to freeze it and not let it get into Iran's hands, at least for the time being. Uh, but your, to your point that you just made, the Iranians have gone from a few hundred thousand of oil production now to three and a half million yes. going to four million. Yes. That's yes. 60 billion, 70 billion dollars. Yes. They're flush with money. All right. The great General Jack Keane. Good luck, sir. Be safe. Folks, I'm Cudlow. Going to take a quick break. Other side of the break, U.S. Senator Kevin Kramer is going to talk some more about oil sanctions and maybe a bipartisan effort in Congress to restore these sanctions and clobber Iran. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com. 